On this edition of the TWBC podcast, we speak to a skier who's firmly established himself as uh, Canada's top water ski slalomer. We talk to Cole McCormick next. The expressed views of the guests on this podcast are theirs alone and not necessarily endorsed by the host, TWBC, or any associated sponsor. Conversations that are robust yet balanced, on point and to the point. You're listening to The Talk of Tournament Water Skiing. This is the TWBC Podcast. And now, here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, greetings one and all, and welcome to this latest edition of the TWBC Podcast. I am the aforementioned Tony Lightfoot, and uh, thanking you for your continued support. And uh, we're going to go into uh, the the interview in this episode with a skier who was uh, who's definitely turned some heads in in regards to his uh, slalom technique and performances uh, within uh, the last uh, last two or three seasons. His name is Cole McCormick. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Tony. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we're recording this episode here at uh, Jack Travers's place, uh, uh, ITS, uh, uh, just just before the uh, the Travers Grand Prix. Uh, kind of give us a little bit of a summation of uh, how your season has gone thus far. Um, it's kind of it's been interesting. Uh, start of the year, I kind of started off slow, and then right around the qualifiers for the Masters, I started skiing really well. So. That was pretty fun, having the big runoff at Drew's and qualifying for Masters and got the the privilege and the chance to ski World Games this year, which was a awesome experience. And then uh, shortly after, kind of had an ankle injury out in California. And before uh, Mastercraft Pro, I was... Um, I only had like a week of practice before Mastercraft Pro. I was in a walking boot for two solid weeks before before that. And oh, wow. so I was I was very thrilled with how uh, Mastercraft Pro went for me. All right then. So let's go one by one. Uh, you you basically uh, gave us a gave us a little bit of a cliff cliff notes version of how of how your season went. But let's. Uh, I mean, you you qualified for the Masters, uh, qualified to ski on the the hallowed waters, as it were, <laughs> of, uh, of of Robin Lake. You know, uh, hallowed uh, by the fact that, that it's very very historical in in the uh, in the general terms of skiing. Probably not not the best of conditions to to ski in in this day and age. But uh, how did things uh, go for you there? Oh, they they kind of went okay. I I got fifth place, which was the same placement I got the year before, and actually ran the same exact score as the year before. Um, but I I felt better this year. Just you know didn't didn't quite put it together like I wanted to. Um, yeah, I, I mean it was a it was a fun tournament. It's it's always good even just getting a chance to ski the Masters because it's it's so hard to qualify, which is part of the reason why the waters are so you know quote unquote hallowed or whatever you were saying. You know, it's it's just super difficult to qualify for that tournament. So getting getting your name in the in the eight, list of eight or nine people that get to ski there is is just awesome. Absolutely. Uh, so I mean, you quit. You ended up fifth in the Masters, you know, which is, which is all, which is always a great achievement by itself. Uh, so so you had your eyes set on uh, on doing a whole bunch of whole bunch of uh, t- tournaments uh, this season. What was it, what was the one that came afterwards uh, directly after the Masters? Uh, Lake Thirty Eight was the next one. Yeah. Oh yes, I remembered you skiing in that one. So I mean, how did that how did that work out for you? That one worked out really well. I. Um I got second place in that one, which is you know about as about as good as I could hope for. I mean, uh, not everyone was there, but the top two guys were there, and to come out second place amongst the people who were there, I was I was very happy with that, and I skied super consistent the whole week. So 
um, or the whole weekend, should I say? So um, I was I was pretty happy with that. Must be a bit of an adjustment uh, going from the Masters, uh, which which is like which is which is pretty suspect water at best, to like having the perfect conditions right up there outside Tallahassee at Lake Thirty Eight. You know, you relied upon conditions. Yeah, I mean, you just you have to like approach the tournament in a completely different way you know at, at masters you've got a deep deep lake with a lot of rollers and um it's just all about staying on top of the water keep keeping moving not, you know not not letting your hips get behind you and um those are kind of like the big things you have to focus on to make sure you don't you know have any unfortunate mishaps and go down early or something like that whereas if when you're at lake 38 you know it's more like a record tournament and you're just trying to get the high scores you're focusing more on the normal stuff that you would nor like you would focus on at any record tournament or in practice because it's a perfect lake you know with the one of the best drivers in the world and you know keith's place is amazing so it's it's just kind of two different things you have to think about indeed you know a little bit earlier on the season i actually approached you uh, to to kind of give me the elevator pitch on on your on your slalom ski at the point and you did say that uh by by the fact that the ski's design is a little wider up front it allow, allows the ski to actually come through uh, uh you know try and uh you know, by the by, the time the the zero off kicks in a little bit there, so a pretty a, a pretty significant advantage for you in like the Masters and for 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 other record tournaments starting with Lake Thirty Eight. Uh, kind of kind of give us a little bit of what you told me about about your skis design and how that's how that's benefited you uh, since uh, since you transitioned onto it. Yeah, so uh, the whole idea behind Chris's ski is he kind of wanted to come up with the ultimate zero off tool you know back when we were on perfect pass and hand driving it was a lot of turn hard work hard you know ski hard and there wasn't there was a lot less finesse and now with zero off you're trying not to spike the boat and you're trying to move through the turn without creating like create angle without creating load when you're turning the skis so basically chris has uh, made a ski that's wide under the front foot so basically anytime you would normally get in deep and uh you know be heavy at the turn that extra width is going to keep you up and get you get you like or keep you more on top of the water so you kind of move through the turn a little better and you don't get stuck like you normally would on another ski so if i mean if there is room to move off the turn and through the wakes then this ski allows you to take full advantage of that situation right yeah and then because it's so wide you have to do you have to um still make the ski turn somehow because if you just make a ski wide it's just going to be harder to turn normally but chris has done uh something with the rocker he's got a little more tail rocker in the ski than a typical um ski would have so basically it just kind of rolls through the turn and without you having to move much on the ski you can just stay still and the ski just rolls through the turn all right then so moving through the season now you've given me a little bit bit of an elevator pitch on that on that slalom ski and world games uh which which occurred in the middle of the summer you had the privilege of being uh canada's representative in the men's slalom because uh in each event uh, to the best of my knowledge uh and it, it, in each event oh, oh each nation gets one representative right yeah everyone uh i think each country got up to five representatives um in total and i think you could only have uh one one in each 
event for like each you know so like one men's slalom representative one men's jump representative that kind of thing like i don't think you could double up anywhere mm-hmm. okay so uh after round one you you were sitting pretty pretty weren't you Oh yeah, that was <laughs> that was super super cool. Um, that lake was really hard to ski on. It, it's skied a lot like Robin Lake, just so many <laughs> so many rollers so, and so sea walls. So it's, basically, anyone who skied in the Masters already had a fairly good idea of how to handle the conditions that Oak Mountain Park, you know, would would, would throw at them with the with the rock walls and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, it's similar. Oak Mountain was harder. Um, it, there were just so many sea walls everywhere. It was kind of um it was just hard it was really hard even if you felt like you were on your game you could hit a roller and just kind of get set get sent flying um i mean it kind of speaks to the fact that to make the finals all you had to do is run 32 off it was it was so hard i mean there were a lot there were you know at least eight people there that are fully capable of running 39 it was just it was so backwashy and even if you came in with a game plan and you felt good on your ski if you hit a roller just wrong you could just be out of it um, the first round, I mean, I was lucky and I stayed on, stayed on my ski and didn't, didn't hit anything weird. And I put up four at 39 and was absolutely thrilled with that. And then to top it off, I was top seed, which I didn't in a million years expect ever to happen with Nate Smith at the tournament. So <laughs> that was cool. All right then. So, I mean, and the world games, just in case uh, th- those of you are, are hearing about it for the first time, it's basically the closest that water skiing typically gets uh, to being part of, of an Olympic program. It's, it's endorsed by the, by the IOC. Uh, it's basically the Olympics for non-Olympic sports. So kind of, kind of give us a little bit of, uh, of a description of how that quote unquote Olympian experience was in Birmingham. Alabama because I mean it's 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 totally different a complete world away from what you typically are get used to on 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 a weekend by weekend basis on the water ski pro tour yeah I I mean that's what made the tournament worthwhile for me it was like because it was tough conditions so normally you know you'd have you know people wouldn't be necessarily the most happy to ski there but it was such a cool experience i mean we we all got to stay they had um the university of birmingham let us all stay in their dormitories on campus and so we kind of all went to a dining hall every day and we got to meet tons of athletes and then every day when we were going out to the site we were all in a bus and had a security escort by the uh, birmingham state police officer or the Bur- or the alabama, alabama state police officers yeah, yeah. so uh, they didn't have to stop at any stoplights. We just like went straight out to the lake on bus. That so that kind of made us feel really cool. And then uh, we had lunches every day, and they had like athlete areas roped off that spectators couldn't come into. Um, and we were uh, only the athletes were granted access. Um, and then Oak Mountain itself as a park was sold out every day we were we were up there. So nice. That was that was very cool. So we had the shores and the stands packed every day. We were out there even even like for trick, for slalom, for jump, like everyone was out there and it wasn't just competitors, it was people that I had never met before coming yeah. out from Alabama that just ski on the weekends on their big lake behind a boat they bought and they just wanted to come experience water skiing and see what tournament water skiing was all about and that was probably the coolest part. Yeah, and I mean, and taking into consideration that uh, that many of the other sports in the World Games were struggling to uh, to meet uh, pre-event expectations so far as crowd participation and, uh, and and filling the arenas and stuff like that. Uh, you mentioned that you uh, you lunched a little bit uh, with with athletes in other sports. Was were, were there any sports that 
that you were kind of intrigued about, you know, with with some of the other athletes. I mean, because I mean, we're talk we're talking like like separate separate events of of martial arts there's 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 canopy flying you know with the with with the sports shoots and what have you i mean there's there's so there's so many uh so many other sports there that don't normally get the recognition yeah where where does that where does that that come from (laughs) they had uh they had drone racing up there oh that drone racing yeah and they had uh rock wall climbing like a few different rock wall events um not Probably one of the coolest ones to watch was beach handball. That was absolutely insane. You had people uh, spinning and like trying to alley oop it to each other to throw it in to get extra points. It was it was so cool. Now now rock climbing is a, 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 a di- discipline of rock climbing is part of the Olympic program. It's the speed climbing, but I mean we're talking like bouldering, right? Yeah, so yeah where yeah. where they take their time, survey it, and then they just have to climb and climb to the top and uh, w- all that kind of stuff. It's no no speed to it, right? Yeah, it was uh, bouldering's done without without a harness, you know. So you're just kind of free climbing up, and uh, it's. I've done it myself. It's super fun. It's like an, it's a crazy upper body workout. Very cool. All right, then. So uh, we talked about your first round performance. Uh, the final round, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe a performance that you wanted to forget, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I felt pretty good in the finals. And I just, you know, like I was saying before, I just made a small, small mistake. And in all the rollers, it's whenever uh, you make the mistake, you just kind of have to keep going and try to not make another mistake and not not try to aggressively catch back up because that's when you get in trouble in rollers and um i just i made two mistakes and uh unfortunately missed 38 so in the finals which was a real bummer but um you know it happens uh good it was a cool experience i got to be top seed for the finals which I've, that's never happened to me before so that was super fun and i still walked away with uh, a third place medal so and probably good prep for for Moomba next year if uh, if, if if that uh, if that uh, if you're fortunate enough to be involved in that event, huh? Yeah, I still have yet to go to Moomba. I've heard it. I've heard it's a lot of fun. It just uh, never really uh, works out on my schedule. But hopefully, one of these uh, next couple of years, I'll make it out there. And we certainly look forward to you making making a, a first appearance of Moomba. Maybe may, maybe next season, maybe the season after. But uh, certainly on your bucket list. Anyway. Uh, Shortly afterwards, you know, the irony is, is you've been through a, t- a couple, couple of uh, the the worst tournaments uh, that you probably have in your schedule so far as conditioning goes, and then the injury comes along. Yeah, which was really unfortunate because uh, leading up to World Games, I actually skied a lot of record turns. I think I skied in four record tournaments and got a piece of four ball at 41 in every record tournament i was uh you know really feeling i was really trying to work towards uh knocking the pass down and um i hadn't done it yet but i was skiing really well um and i even up at hilltop i ran four so i was i've been knocking on the door all summer and then i uh unfortunately out in california the second round i got a uh high ankle sprain which put me in a walking boot for two weeks so i I could go to the gym and stuff, but I couldn't do anything really. Let put pressure like on my foot, and um, so I didn't get the practice for two solid weeks. And then um, once I finally got out of it, I got about a week to train for Mastercraft Pro because I had already signed up for it. So, all right then. So, so obviously a high ankle sprain, notwithstanding. But I mean, 
uh, you you still had still had plenty of events to go with the Mastercraft Pro. You you met, you you hinted upon Hilltop and everything. So you you still still continue to work out. Obviously, not working out the ankle quite as much. I mean, what 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 it, what is what is typically in your workout schedule every every time you 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 get set in there? Is it is it is it cardio? Is it is it strength? Is it flexibility? Or is it uh, more of one, little of the other? That type of deal. Um, it's honestly not a lot of cardio because uh, we we as water ski athletes get a lot when we're out there, especially me because I like usually when I drop on the end in practice, I don't I don't like to stay there for very long. I get up and keep going, so I use my cardio is usually pretty good, and you get it from moving through your exercises pretty quickly. But um, I mean, I I train at um, RSP a lot in Claremont, and we just kind of tapered my workout to kind of avoid putting pressure like on on my foot and stuff so i i did a lot of upper body stuff and i did um things that worked out the legs without actually you know doing deadlifts or like leg presses or anything like that so i still got to you know train legs train upper body and all that stuff um without injuring my ankle so stayed in shape the whole two weeks Excellent, excellent. So uh, now we're at this point of the season, uh, pretty pretty much the running uh, toward uh, towards the end of the season. We got uh, Travis Grand Prix, which uh, you know it's it's an unusual event. You know, it's not like the three events of water skiing. It's like the three events of whatever. You know, you got slalom, you got shooting, you got go karting. Uh, I mean, obviously you look forward to slalom. But what's that? What what what's your second best event out there? <laughs> Uh, it's probably skeet shooting. Um, I, I mean, I, I grew up hunting with my my dad all the time, and so I'm pretty good at shooting a gun anyway. And then before the first edition of this tournament, I had never shot skeet before, so my dad took me out to the range, and we shot skeet for a couple hours until I got the hang of it. And then I think the first year I shot either 8 or 9 for 10, and then um, the second year I shot 10 for 10. Um, I think I, and I was one of like four people who shot 10 for 10. Yeah. So this you, is yeah like, you got into a shoot off with, uh, with, with Zane and, uh, Zane Nicholson and I think one other, didn't you? Or? Zane, Paul Kulig and John Travers. We were the only four who shot 10 for 10. So we all had a shoot off at the end and I'm pretty, I'm 99% sure Zane won. I can't remember, but I think Zane won that one. <laughs> I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll be in, uh, uh, he won't hesitate to remind us during the course of that tournament uh, via his Instagrams if, he, if he's not already dealing with uh, with stuff going on with uh, with with Louisiana Monroe. Uh, speaking speaking of which, uh, a lot of a, a lot of pro skiers. Uh, uh, have taken or have, uh, have taken the route to do uh, collegiate water skiing. Uh, did you ever go that route? I think it was Florida Southern College, right? Yeah, I went to Florida Southern College. Um, and honestly, when I was in high school, I didn't even know there was such thing as collegiate water skiing, which sounds kind of <laughs> kind of crazy because, like, I, I mean, everyone knows about it now. But going through high school, I didn't really know anything about it. My senior year, I was trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do because I wanted to ski a little bit, but I, you know, at that point, I didn't feel like I was ever going to be a pro. Like, I wasn't I wasn't at that level yet, and so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, and I was at uh, like spring semester my senior year, and I was at a tournament, and uh, Roger Scalco came up to me, and he's like, hey, I, I, I hear you're a senior. Have you figured out what you're doing for a uh, 
college yet and i said uh no not really i looked at a couple colleges that are sounded like an army recruiter yeah (laughs) close to the lake so i could go ski and he's like well we have a ski team and i'll i'll give you a scholarship to ski on the team i'm like really okay (laughs) so that's kind of how that got started um and uh unfortunately he passed away the spring semester my freshman year which was uh, just tragic and um but luckily we had um curtis rabe took over for the team and he's really been great for the team he's you know such positive attitude and kind of kept all our spirits high and um i i learned a ton while i was in college and uh my freshman year i i I entered college with a pb of five at 35 and left college with a pb of three at 41 so (laughs) (laughs) i mean i mean that that rate of a uh, that that rate that rate of improvement i think there'll be a few folks out there on the on the on the uh, the verge of going to college like sign me up definitely yeah i mean i i don't think that that's not the typical rate of progression for most people but i just i mean i kind of grown up scheme with just lucky my dad my mom and those were like the only three coaches i had and they you know they all kind of looked at the slalom course the same way which is I mean, it's great. They're all fantastic skiers, but kind of what set me off as I started skiing with like Casey Wilson and Tebow and a few mm-hmm. other people who kind of like opened my head up to a different way of thinking. And I started using video a lot to self coach myself. And com- I would compare to um, video of a lot of pro guys on the tour. Like, what what am I doing differently? What's going different here? And so um, that's I just kind of took off from there. Um, and I even in jump, like I picked up. 25 feet and jump when i went to school too um, oh yeah that yeah don't forget i mean i mean you're a dual event threat i mean did you do any tricking or i did yeah you actually did? for the longest time i was known as a tricker because wow. uh, right from like boys boys uh two i was tricking uh just north of five thousand points which was uh i don't know if that's still good for boys two but that was good whenever i was in boys two it's um, decent you know <laughs> certainly um, it, w- it would put you on a national team, certainly. Yeah, I think my, my personal best in tricks right now is just north of 6,000 points, and my personal best in jump is 170 feet. So, uh, I mean, I was pretty decent three events here. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and obviously one of the very best three event skiers in the history of the sport was your father, Ricky McCormick. I mean, uh, I mean, um, and we go to that question a little bit. I may have asked you it before in another podcast, but I mean... Uh, I mean, his influence and that of your mom's, you know, uh, Susie, Susie Graham McCormick, you know, I mean, I mean, right there, you've got two of of the, of the greatest skiers in the world for their, for their respective eras, you know? So, I mean, I mean, you must, you must have gotten, gotten a little bit out, uh, out of those two individuals, uh, along the way. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, everyone talks about, you know, how like I'm so, whenever I slalom, I ski so aggressively and intense behind the boat and stuff. And that's kind of the number one thing my dad, my mom and Lucky all preach is like form first and you've got to be ready to go to war with the boat when you go behind the boat. And so I, that's why everyone always tells me, like, I always have like a super strong position behind the boat and I'm a fighter just like my mom was. And like, I kind of get all of that from Lucky, my mom, my dad there. I mean, they're all from you know the same same kind of line of thinking and they just taught me to never give up and kind of always like be aggressive and never think you're out of a pass right from like even if you even if you mess up you know there's always a way to get through the pass there's always a way to keep going but consider the juncs juncs the position of being able to get from one side of the wake 
through to the other, you know, without putting too much load on the ski. I mean, we're talking like guys like Charlie Ross, who seems to be able to do that impeccably well. I mean, and and like Nate Smith, of course, you know, he, he I mean, he puts a little bit of load on the boat, but he's still able to, a, able to to get from one side to the next. You've seen video of both of these skiers, no doubt, and wanted wanted to pick up little bits and pieces to use. So it. Is 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 that a road that you're prepared to to go down uh, to go down along? You know, maybe in the off season, you know, work, working on gaining an advantage, or are you still tried and true <coughs> with like the grip it and rip it? Well, I, I mean, I've I've changed my style a lot in the last two years. I'm and uh, obviously I've lost a lot of weight in the last two years too, right? I was uh, the first year I was on Chris's ski. I was uh, I skied that year at like 198 pounds, and now I'm at. I'm sitting pretty steady at like 176, 177. There you go. Um, and I'm I'm much more swingy on the boat than I used to be. I used to be very, very much like pull, 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 reach, turn. Like I, you know, I just I kind of thought I knew what I was doing, but I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, there wasn't really any swing on the boat or anything like that. Now that I'm lighter, I can actually swing on the boat, and um, it's a little different. And Charlie and Nate, they put a lot more pressure on the boat than you than you realize they do they just do it all in the right spot they do it behind the boat which is i mean every everyone does it some do it better than others but nate and charlie are probably two of the most efficient people like on the slalom course you know they're so light light and agile at the buoy and then they work in the right spot behind the boat okay so aside from that i mean obviously we're coming up to the end of the season you're skiing in this event you'll probably ski at the miami pro right yeah. at right in november and then and then comes thanksgiving and then you've got the festive season and then and and then you then you're just trying to pick pick the events that you want to ski in for the for the season to, to come after that so there there is a significant off season so uh do you have any plans on what you're doing in the off season, both uh, b- both in skiing and preparing for skiing, and and any and anything else that comes your way? Yeah, I mean, Chris, Chris and I have already talked about it a little bit. We have a few different um, things we want to try with my ski and my equipment and things like that. Um, and usually, he has some big technique th- from thing for me to work on over the winter. Normally, like the first the first set, I come out to his lake to ski in the off season. You know, he'll sit me down and have a discussion as car like this is you know this is a big thing but this is something i want to work want you to work on over the off season if and that's the only thing you take away from this off season that's 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 our goal is to get you looking like this and doing this um so that's kind of what it's been the past the past two years is i'll have like one big technique thing to work on over the winter all right so uh with with that in mind we'll uh, we'll wrap this podcast up a, a little bit uh just 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 giving you uh an opportunity to say uh, any acknowledgements any thanks or that kind of stuff uh, uh to uh, to kind of wrap th- wrap this up yeah i guess uh thanks to chris point my parents um uh, thanks to all the travers um for letting me ski out here at their lake this has kind of been my home site for the past three years ever since i bought a house um up close to here so i you know unbelievably thankful to them for letting me come out here and ski with them all the time um and thanks to all my sponsors you know you guys are you guys are awesome couldn't do this without you either all right then uh, that was a uh, Cole mccormick and this is tony lightfoot uh, with this latest edition of the twbc p- podcast and until next time it is ciao for now thank you for listening to the twbc podcast 
be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcast.